0: Welcome to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast presented by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, April Stearns. Each week for the next year, you'll hear an essay from our book read by the author. Igniting the Fire Within is a collection of stories of healing, hope, and humor offering an insider's view into today's young breast cancer community. We compiled 50 essays for people diagnosed in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. There is medicine for each of us in these stories, whether you've been personally diagnosed with cancer or not. Wildfire stories in general, but especially the ones you'll hear from Igniting the Fire Within, are stories of transformation. Our storytellers experienced a shift in perspective as a result of something that happened to them. And the cancer diagnosis was not the thing that happened, or it wasn't the only thing. The cancer diagnosis was merely the catalyst for later changes that led our writers to understand deep truths about the world. Each one of them learned lessons that showed them what it is to live, not just survive, in the glare of cancer. We believe deeply that the stories that change us aren't so much about what happened as they are about what came next. And hearing those stories, true stories of transformation, that's what ignites the fire within each of us. A listener note before we dive in. Cancer is a salty business, and sometimes talking about it and the aftermath requires salty language. Listener discretion is advised. Today's storyteller is Megan Nathanson. Megan is a writer and visual artist who lives in coastal Maine. She was diagnosed at age 45 with breast cancer that was stage 2 hormone positive. The essay she is reading
1: for us today is called There Can Be Joy. Enjoy. An ultrasound room seems like an odd place to find joy. I would not go looking for it there. The place where tissue is extracted and examined for cells gone rogue has qualities antithetical to human magic. Cold and sticky gel is rubbed across bare skin, while danger lurks on a glowing screen. Places you loved, or tolerated before, are suddenly deemed suspect. As the technician led me down the hallway, I noticed the way her wavy hair was cut in a subtle, angular manner so when it draped down her back, it fell into a V-shape. I didn't know at the time it was likely a fresh cut for her wedding in Vermont the weekend before. She showed me where I would put my bag, overflowing with a heavy book and multiple other weighty items. I thought about how later I would be told I shouldn't pick up anything heavier than a milk carton. I would carry my belongings out like a bag of groceries, not slung over my shoulder as usual. Bending forward, I unzipped my mud-splattered boots and climbed onto the table, imagining the experience might be restful, a rare luxury to lie down midday in a dimly lit room. This idea of resting while people prodded me would become a trend. I had been ill-prepared for the first biopsy, which had seemed like a formality, likely just scar tissue from the milk duct removal. Afterward, I canceled a full day of activities, crawling into bed with an ice pack. I had not considered the signals my body would receive having three of these procedures back-to-back on both breasts, seemingly every shred of them being examined for evidence of more cancer. The ultrasound wand was pressed down forcefully on my bare chest, in the same bruised area where I had the previous excision. My arm, raised in an L-shape above my head, began shooting pins and needles into my hand before we had even begun. The technician apologized for being silent for a long stretch as she mapped out the red and blue landscape of my inner world, reflected like a military radar screen to my right. She lined up the suspicious locations of density like targets. I told her I welcomed the quiet. Her presence felt immediately familiar in the way of an old friend. I heard an assistant come in, and when I turned to look, I recognized the back of her frame as she quickly... Dove into her preparations. Her fuchsia scrubs were the only notable color in the room, brightening the space like a bouquet. When she finally turned toward me, her hair swung around at her chin. Her face reacted with happy recognition. I thought it might be you. I filled her in on the results from my previous test and watched as the space between her eyebrows contracted with concern. This had become a familiar facial expression in the people I shared my diagnosis with. Then she brightened, doling out affirmations of hope, just like candy. I couldn't say her age. She was likely not all that much older than me, but she brought the mother energy into the room. From beginning to end, she filled up a halo of comfort around me with endless offerings of support. Her presence was like a siphon, keeping me fueled and abreast of what was happening. She left the room to find a warmer, softer blanket. Better, she thought, than what had already been draped over me. The radiologist came in like a force of nature, a resonant in her wake. She made a comment about how, how the doctor with her was fortunate to be on her service in a room full of women. We all laughed as she quickly pardoned herself, acknowledging the many capable men working in the hospital. We were acquainted from the previous biopsy, and she greeted me warmly, then quickly switched gears, detailing her plan to the others. She was like a sergeant barking out orders, only kinder and with an upbeat energy. There was a lot to be accomplished. She had a commanding voice and presence I might have once found off-putting. I might have read her as brash or overconfident. Not anymore. I understood better about what it takes. I understood about how many ways women have been taught to shrink and to be quiet, to dim what allows us to make a needed contribution in a slailing world. I could sense in her the many layers that existed in order to demonstrate so much skill under the weight of responsibility with alternating humor and seriousness. The sound of a breast biopsy is exactly like the sound an ear-piercing gun makes when penetrating cartilage. It is like a hole puncher making its way through a stiff sponge. I began bracing myself for the sound as everyone in the room lined up images on two screens to mir- mirror the reality of what was going on inside of my chest. The last time I was there, the radiologist had suggested I'd look away when she began inserting numbing needles into my breast tissue. This time, I closed my eyes without prompting, I began concentrating on my breath, dropping my awareness down into my belly, softening and gripping simultaneously. The assistant came around by my head and propped a pillow under my arm and then took my hand in hers as the procedure got underway. Chatter began about weddings and stinky boy children. So several of us had a couple of those and honeymoons filled with reading and sleeping late. We found levity more than expected given the circumstances. But there was always a pause and a sense of space being held in each moment when the real work was undertaken. I could feel a force of goodwill in the room, like oxygen was being pumped in. Each biopsy target target required multiple shots for numbing that felt like exaggerated bee stings. And then one long needle inserted deeply into hard to access locations in my breast. I steadied myself for the pressure of the reach, and turned in my mind to the energy of my sisters and friends, who promised to be with me from afar. I experienced a sense of them, as if they hovered over me. Their personalities fell away in my mind, and I knew them for the backdrop of their being. With the numbing agent, you can't really know for certain whether it has fully deadened the area in question until the contraction of the biopsy tool is made. And after each compression, the radiologist questioned me. Are you okay? You doing okay? She said she could hear my heart beating. I assured her I was okay. At one point, troubleshooting was necessary. The resident sat at a computer across the room, meticulously considering the best course of action based on the imagery from a previous test. Peering through horn-rimmed glasses, she contributed her opinion and then stepped back to observe. We celebrated between biopsies, and the bed was turned around multiple times for better access. Each time I was spun around, it was as if a slate was being wiped clean or like I was being let up for air. Everyone seemed to take the moment, that moment to exhale, and I realized each of these women were holding their breath for me. I watched as the clock ticked closer and closer to school pickup time. And when I was finally finished, the relief was palpable. I was ready to jump out of the bed and leave. But my mother for the afternoon encouraged me to move more slowly. She helped me to sit up and saw I had water in my bag, encouraging me to drink. She wanted, me, she wanted to know my plan for the afternoon. I didn't tell her my husband would be working late. I told her instead, my friend, who also had breast cancer, had brought food. Afterward, I felt elated. It was more than the adrenaline surging through my body. Even as I had experienced extreme discomfort, I felt as if I had also been held for many hours in a gentle womb by a group of women who knew their job extended beyond the technical aspects for which they were each responsible. Walking into the damp main air, I made my way to my car, and just as I was getting in, I realized a connection. It nearly stopped me in my tracks. I was trying to put my finger on what I was feeling. My mind became wrapped around the idea of joy. Instances that elicit this human magic, a fleeting knowing that all is right in the world. I put two things together and realized that wherever there is love present, there can be joy two qualities inextricably bound. It doesn't matter if the time is bleak. It doesn't matter if you and your friend, a woman of grit and dogged humility, both have cancer. Whatever the circumstances, within the vicinity of love is a gateway, a reliable passage to the highest realm of experiences we might ever have. I'm April
0: Stearns and you've been listening to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn. Check us out at wildfirecommunity.org to order your copy of the book so you can read along each week. You'll also find our magazine and storytelling workshops there. Big thanks to our producer, Bill Smith of Shoe Production and our production assistant, Monica Haro make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. If you like what you hear, tell your best friend, tell your mom, tell your oncologist. I mean, really, tell everyone you know. Or head into your podcast app and leave us a starred review to help others find their way to igniting their own fire within.